Life Audio. Hey, Dr. Bill Sinyard here with Gospel Rant. We are about proclaiming God's love to the unlovable, the unloved, and the unlovely. That's all of us, a little or a lot, if we were just honest. The Song of Songs is ridiculously modern. Have you heard of the female gaze, G-A-Z-E, in films and TV projects? These are the projects that present the point of view of the woman, not from the lens of a male director or screenplay writer, but from the point of view of the woman. And some modern feminists think that this revolution started a decade ago. No, 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 it's over 2,500 years old. The queen in the Song of Songs is, has always presented herself. Now, at the end of the Song of Songs, she's presenting herself as a person of substance and worth, the beloved of the king. Even more, she represents all of the followers of God. It's my voice, it's your voice, male and female, all who are in his embrace, even though it's a surprise to all of us too. So women and men, if you have been tracking this series and saying the simple and cluttered gospel a couple times a day, I need to ask you in your own words, emotions and thoughts, are you beginning to see changes? Are you beginning to see changes in your sense of worth and value and identity? Are you needing other sources of affirmation less? Are you freer? Are you feeling like you love others a little bit more? See, that's our goal. This has not just been a study to teach about a book. It's to tap into the power behind the book and to begin to see frustrated, unloved, and unlovable, a little or a lot, Christians begin to feel glory. Glory. All because of what Jesus did. And His Spirit in us is now doing. So give us a testimony. Bill at gospel-app.com. I'll put the best on the website. Welcome to Movement 7, Part 2. This is Chapter 7, 11 to 8, 4 of the Song of Songs. And look, this show is wildly important. The next two as we wrap up the Song of Songs, and we're going to get into it right after this short word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Well, you may not have heard about the female gaze, G-A-Z-E, but you should. It refers to the gaze of the female spectator, character, or director of an artistic work. So it could be painting, but it's more likely a movie or TV show or screenplay, a theater. Uh, It's more than the gender. It's an issue of representing women as subjects having agency. In contemporary usage, female gaze has been used to refer to the perspective primarily of the female filmmaker, screenwriter, director, producer. And 
it's, it's, the, it's the gaze that she brings to the film that might be different from the male view of the, the topic, the subject. Think such projects as Women Talking last year, The Handmaid's Tale, Lady Bird 2018, The Devil Wears Prada 20, 2006. So here in the bosom of what so many, too many, actually refer to as a patriarchal narrative, the Bible, is one of the greatest examples of the female gaze in ancient or modern history. It's right there in our Bible. We should be applauding this. We are listening to her innermost, unadulterated thoughts and feelings. Some really culturally inappropriate. And such honor given to her by God, the king, and the editor. One of the criticisms of so many modern male gaze projects is that the depictions of women in them are inadequate representations of human beings. They become objects, right? Objectification. But not here in the Song of Songs. She is substantive, vulnerable, interesting, attractive. And, you know, not as much physically she could be, but as a person, she's attractive. Some have wondered if the author or editor is actually a woman. It wouldn't surprise me at all. We looked at four new things that are in her toolbox from her point of view that weren't there before the king. They weren't there before the king's embrace, before she looked up into his transforming gaze, or or me, or you, before we did either, right? There was the freedom to go, the freedom to be selfish, the freedom to desire glory, and the freedom to dance. That was in the last show. Here are two others in Movement 7, and we'll look at them briefly. The freedom to initiate and openly desire love with the king. So now she's initiating intimacy with the king. So uh, think worship, think prayer, think meditation, right, spiritually. And the second is the freedom to give her love to another of her choosing, not forced upon her, um, but her choosing as a free agent. All right, here's chapter 7, verse 11. Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. All right, we get it. We know her story. When she was younger, it looks like love was forced upon her. Or maybe she made some bad I love you choices. And who hasn't? But for each of us, our midbrains establish deep, thick fortresses to protect us from being hurt again. It leads to less hurt, sure, but it also includes the unintended consequences of loneliness and jealousy and bitterness, maybe a sense of victimization and paranoia. And we saw that in her. So, King, where are you grazing your flocks, right? But the king's powerful gaze has begun to do what it does, not just with her life, but in yours and mine. We become more open to risk love again, to initiate love again, to give our hearts to the king and his love over and over. But we need a power from God to unwind that neural mess in in our brains, that, that rat's nest. It's just the way it is. And this is what it looks like. To be clear, I get it. Love has hurt you and me. Relationships have disappointed you, let you down, betrayed you, fallen short of expectations, robbed you, abused you, diminished you, and that's just scratching the surface. Everybody has a story. And your brain is doing what it was designed to do, so don't fight it directly. Be smart. Do an end around. Ask God. It's so easy to do. Your prefrontal cortex can do it, so we're not even tapping into our midbrain. Ask God to give you his power. 
his gaze, okay? Uh, what's the risk? Either he does or he doesn't. But there's no midbrain triggering to expect to make you begin to want to love again and to give love and to be loved again. Nothing that I just said should trigger your inner working models. Nothing. And you can do this. And why not? What have you got to lose? Here's what it looks like to be loved, poetically, to be loved and to love others. Song 713. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my lover. If only you were to me like a brother who was nursed at my mother's breast, then if I found you outside, I would kiss you, and no one would despise me. Well, we're guessing, but in that culture, we think that public romantic embraces and touching kisses were, were uh, not approved of. Just a guess. So a brother and sister could hug and kiss on the cheek, right? But again, we're just guessing. But it makes sense. Verse 2 of chapter 8. I would lead you and bring you to my mother's house. She who has taught me, I would give you spiced wine to drink and nectar of my pomegranates. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces. All of that's euphemisms for sexual intimacy. The body language is of a couple laying on the marriage bed, embracing during intimacy. Such good stuff. Beautiful, wonderful poetry. It's the garden. It's the blow north wind stuff. Emotionally, it's a picture of a power that has unraveled her natural barriers, the inner working models of the midbrain, to such a love that has hurt her in the past. For her and so many others, just the miracle uh, up, up there with the parting of the Red Sea. Verse 4, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Whew. All right, it's probably not a good place, but we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. Um, I want to begin our journey into the epilogue when we get back. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So we're going to get into the epilogue. It's parallel to the prologue. You can go back and listen to some of the earlier shows. Uh, this begins at 8.5 and goes to the end of the book. Just listen. Who is this 
Coming up from the desert, leaning on her lover, under the apple tree I roused you, there your mother conceived you, there she who was in labor gave you birth. I mean, you can hear the repeated themes. This is what an epilogue does, right? It's just capturing many of the important themes of the entire collection. The who is this coming up, the apple tree, the uh, mother conceiving you. It's a, it's a poetic repeat. The first part of it is a poetic repeat of 3-6 in the Hebrew. It's, it's exact, right? It was the apocryphal approach of the groom's marriage procession that began movement number four. It, it looked like the coming of Yahweh from the wilderness. It was awesome. It was worthy of note. And, and more than that, it seemed to cause the knees of everyone to bow and the heart to shudder. And there the, the queen wasn't even mentioned. In movement four, at the beginning, it was him, right? The male gaze, right? But this time, in the repeat... It's not him, it's her. It's the queen. She's no longer that beat-up, victimized waif. She's the fierce queen, worthy of love and worthy of note and worthy of being worshipped, worthy of taking the breath away. She's entered the room, and ironically, no fanfare, no announcement, you know, like the queen of the realm is accompanied by, none of that. She didn't need that. She carries the weight on her own shoulders. It's just her presence. It's who she is. Boy, she's come of age. And don't we all want to make kind of that splash, at least once in our life or twice? I mean, you know the imagery of a stone being dropped in a pool. It sends out rings that you can watch, small stones, small rings, big stones, a tsunami. Well, she's a big stone. I mean, do you sometimes feel like you make no rings at all? Your legacy Do you wonder, I mean, my generation does, if we will leave any legacy here, if we've done anything to change the planet in a good sense. Well, apparently she is leaving a legacy herself, and not because of her as much as because of the king and how he has transformed her. But isn't that our story too? Listen, God loves you so much that for him to leave you here in this place, which compared to heaven, you know, and and what we will experience there... This is a dangerous cesspool here. So there must be a reason why you're still here. There are rings for you to, be, to, to send out. All right, do you get that? The simple and cluttered gospel said twice a day will help you get there. It has no power on its own, but it does point to access of such a power. The gospel, God's power, access through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. You effectively become a bigger rock. So just keep saying it over and over, drip, drip, drip. I know it sounds sort of silly that something like this could actually work, but I'm telling you this has been wildly effective, tapping into the power of the gospel and and preaching it to that unreached people group, your midbrain. So to make the point clear, in a very strange mixed metaphor, the queen is both coming up from the depths in great glory and she is quietly, comfortably resting on the king's shoulders. Beautiful poetry, by the way. Great imagery. But it's a mixed metaphor, right? Hard to stage. I get that. But spiritually, it's the same thing. Do you want to make such a splash? Find yourself resting in the arms of God and in his gaze. Right? It may be counterintuitive and it seems too simple to be true. And yet, that's the process. Our way is to work harder. To be more frenetic, to try more things, to go more conferences, to read more books. God's way is to rest in his arms, uh, to, to hold up empty, needy hands and just receive. Simple. 
in Luther's, Martin Luther's Galatian commentary preface, he describes a posture of prayer. Uh, so sometimes you will hear us speak about the posture of the ground prayer or pog prayer. Someone has uh, coined it. You'll quickly see why. Listen to what he says, and then, uh, then I'm going to invite each of us to follow the example to kind of get into that mindset. This is my modernized version of his stuff. Here's a helpful image. Wouldn't it be absurd and enormous hubris for the thirsty dry ground to even think about demanding rain from the clouds? Picture the ground holding up its empty, dry, and cracked hands skyward, believing that if it only did it right, held its hands up at 10 and 2 o'clock or 11 and 1 o'clock, or better, wave them up and down frenetically in some liturgical exercise, believing that if it only did it right... The clouds would open up in a torrent of life-giving rain. No, hardly. The ground knows its place and humbly can only hold up empty, dry hands to receive the rain that God ordains to fall upon it. It's the same with righteousness, right? This is the, the, the sense of righteousness where it's the relationship with God, that intimacy with God, to know how much he loves you, his gaze. So you could say it's the same with his gaze. There is nothing that we can do that moves God God to shift his original plan to rain righteousness or his gaze down upon us. We must get it into our thick heads that we are not able to do anything by our own strength and works to win this heavenly and eternal righteousness, and therefore we shall never be able to get it unless God himself, by mere imputation and by his unspeakable gift, gives it to us. Well, the power of such a pog prayer comes from two things. First, it reflects the gospel of the cross. As you pray, you're preaching the gospel to yourself, and that's a dangerous and powerful thing to do, particularly preaching it to your midbrain. Paul says that the gospel is the power to believe. Well, believe what? Among many things is to believe that he loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. Sound familiar? He sees you as royalty. He sees you as a worthy partner long before you do. And he invites you into the celestial dance long before you're ready. And me too. Second, the prayer reflects need. Your need, my need, for this ongoing power of the Holy Spirit in us. All we need is need. And most of the time we don't even have that. James says that we don't have these things because we don't ask. That's James 4.2. Well, if you say the pod prayer or the simple and cluttered gospel prayer, you're asking. It's not just a throwaway thing. It's not something at the end of each show. This is the thing. And I I appreciate the testimonies of those people who are doing it. And we're going to put the best on our website. So keep them coming. Keep note. The queen in the Song of Songs has struggled against this relationship. Depending upon others has not gone well for her or for you, probably. You probably have stories. I do. I have a lot. But here she stopped flailing. She's resting in his arms, in his gaze. That is what God's love for the unlovable looks like and feels like. Are you getting it? Let me know. Bill at gospel-app.com. Put it in your words, the the, the female gaze, yeah? Or the male gaze. And, And let me know from your point of view, from your words. When we first started Gospel App Ministries, we noticed powerful changes in people's relationship with God by asking for the power of God to make, to make us know, to make us rest, to make us submit. We've been trying so hard in asking for God's help. But when we shifted to, to really asking God to make, when we 
when we inquired what made the difference in people's lives, nine times out of ten, they said it was this prayer that they said twice a day. It turns out that the prayer is not just a thing, it's the thing, in, in my estimation. There's, there's other prayers, there's other tools. This one, I'm just saying, has actually been very helpful for a lot of broken people, a lot of hungry people, a lot of unlovable people. Everything else, I think, is introduction. It's kind of like pregame TV, you know what I mean? So at first, the make-me prayer has caused some Christians, it it jars them a little bit, right? It troubles them, because we've been taught, you you don't want to demand God, right? God, help me, sounds more Jesus-like. But where's the God, help me prayer? There's only one, the famous prayer, I believe, help my unbelief. That was not shaped by Jesus or by Paul or James or Peter. It was done by someone who at best was a new believer. And since when do we shape our spiritual formation uh, process by, uh, by the words of a baby Christian. Look, I get it. Praying God help me sounds so Jesus-like. And honestly, I'm going to confess that my subconscious habits are too entrenched and shamed and guilt-ridden and, and fearful, deeply embedded in my psyches. I need more than help. You know, if I'm asking for help, it's kind of implying that I got at a, I'm kind of at an eight or a nine and I just need the Holy Spirit to top it off. But God help me. I need help. I see such radical boldness modeled by the great prayers of John and Paul and Jesus. See, I would suggest it's time for some serious heavenly intervention. God, make me. Feels about right to me. And look, we're trying to get each of us to reprogram unproductive, unbiblical habits, destructive ones. It's so important. And I'm going to say more about this as we uh, finish up the, the, the show on the Song of Songs. But repetition helps. So in addition to the simple and cluttered gospel prayer cards, we offer the, this posture of the ground prayer in a bookmark. We call it the Gospel App Prayer Card. If you go to the website, gospel-app.com, you can pick them up, Gospel App Prayer Card. And look, I'm telling you, we got testimonies for a decade. Uh, so check them out. And let me know, how is it affecting you? Bill at gospel-app.com. Well, we're going to say the simple uncluttered gospel one more time, loud, word for word, for a while, twice a day, 45 days. You're fighting a habit, and it seems very effective. All right? Here it is. Jesus follower, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart, as much as the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. He can't love you anymore or any less than he does right now. Ah, you can feel the resting. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. You can't add to this love or take away from it. Ah, just drink it in. Now, I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up or need to do something so that God would like you better. Man, that's your inner working. That's that critical inner voice talking, not, not the Bible. See, not so. How do you experience it more now? Simple good news. There is something you can do. So we're not going to leave you just hanging. We're going to tell you something you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps. Doesn't take a lot of effort. Ask the spirit inside of you to make you know, experience, and feel just how much God loves you right now. Then rest, right? Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. Well, we will finish the epilogue and the next show and then do the finale, my reading of the novella and the following show. And then we're through with the Song of Songs, at least for now. Uh, I'm going to complete the book. The first book, The Kiss of God, is available on Amazon, a must-read. I recommend it to you. I'm 
uh, writing the updated Song of Songs, but I've shifted now to a book about overlooked and underappreciated women in the Old Testament. It is great. Uh, I finished the actual transcript and, and editors are looking at it and sending it to publishers. Uh, let me know if you want to find out when this thing is going to be published. Bill at gospel-app.com. I'm begging you to get the word out about this podcast series. It's for, look, we're trying to get the word out about God's love for the unlovable. Song of Songs has done that and will continue to do that. Uh, this is for disappointed Christians, frustrated Christians, for, for you to begin to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. All because of what Jesus did. Our ears are so beat up and shredded and stopped up with shame and guilt and critical inner voices. We're trying to fix that a lot. So let me know how it's going. Let me know how this is hitting you and changes you're seeing. Give me positive testimonies. Bill at gospel-app.com. Pass it on. Another favor, make sure you follow this podcast. I'm beginning a new series on September 24th. Back in February, I did a three-part podcast series on the love of God for the unlovable, the unloved, and the unlovely. It was around Valentine's Day. It was very popular, very well-received. So many of you not only listened to them, but passed them on. Thanks, by the way. So I'm reprising and expanding and clarifying the series, building upon it. I've updated the core three podcasts, Your Brain and Love, Right What Happens in Your Brain, Ancient History of Love, and Silencing of Eros. The last two have to do with uh, the, the ancient Romans' view of love. Those three podcasts alone were designed to help us see more clearly just how confusing the whole topic of love really is today, even within the church. Our view of love looks so much more like the ancient Romans than Paul's. Then uh, we turn, after those three, we turn to look at case studies of just what happens with the unloved, the unlovely, and the unlovables bump into God's love. There's the unlovable Samaritan woman, the rich young ruler, the prostitute. We will likely go to the Old Testament as well. Gomer, that's an amazing study of God's intervention for a sex addict. Oh my goodness. Well, you get the idea. Starting September 24th, it'll go till uh, we begin our Christmas series. This could, I'm telling you, this could really ignite real change in your life, your family, your worship, your prayers, uh, your church, and, and hey, look, maybe even the country. All right. So please follow, pass on the word about the gospel rant. It's very important. If there were a thousand people who followed or better commented about this show, oh my goodness, you'd be surprised about how many people, uh, random people would take a chance and listen to the gospel rant for 30 minutes. Could change lives. Send me comments. I'll post the best on my website, bill at gospel-app.com. Thanks to Life Audio for their support. And as always, take heart, child of God. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.